Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I first saw it very early um, this month, or maybe it was October, late October. But it has to do with a sort of terrible situation for a family. And the story is of a father in British Columbia, in uh, Surrey, B.C., and this father has two sons that the story identifies. One of the sons has been convicted of uh, illegal drug activity, and he's, or was at the time, being held and waiting for sentencing. The father has another son who's 19 years of age, who, according to what I read, has told the family that he's doing exactly the same thing his older brother is doing, and that is drug dealing. And so the father has great concern that he'll wind up with both sons in prison or maybe be one or both sons dead. So he went to a radio talk show host in, uh, in, Vancouver, in the Vancouver area and uh, spoke to the host about this, and the host suggested that the dad get in touch with the RCMP, which he's done. And he's begging the RCMP to arrest his 19-year-old son. And the police are not doing it. The police are not saying what they're doing, but they won't arrest him. And uh, they say that they admire the fact that the father has come forward and that they've been speaking to the family. But um, they also say that just because he's the dad, he doesn't have the right to information about his son. Because his son is an adult at 19 years of age. So imagine the, the, the nightmare situation, the horror, the fear of this father. Loves his kids. One of them's going to prison. The other one is on the same track as the older brother, according to the dad, and now he's afraid he may end up, his, may end up dead. So he's asking the cops for help. There was another story in, uh, in Ontario where parents were pleading with a, with a judge to hold their 17-year-old son in, in, in custody because he's attempted suicide three times. He's apparently a, a meth addict who's threatened his mother. They don't want him living in the house anymore, but they're desperately worried about this uh, young man. And they're asking, they ask the judge to, to keep him in, in custody protective custody, but because he's 17 years of age, he falls under the Youth Justice Act, and and so there's the, the charges were not severe enough for detention. This is, uh, this is awful stuff, and I imagine there are parents listening to this program right now who have faced a similar situation or may be facing it now. David Butt is one of this country's most visible, most um, recognized, most appreciated uh, criminal lawyers. He's also a media commentator, writes opinion pieces, op-ed pieces for the Globe and Mail. And David is kind enough to spend time with us on this program. David, I, I just feel heartsick for these, uh, for these parents. I feel terrible for them. Uh, what are we dealing with legally? Yes, it's a, you're absolutely right, Roy. The first and foremost is a heartbreaking situation uh, all around. So what, what they're running up against uh, legally are 
you know, a bunch of ideas that make sense when you consider them in the abstract, but when you actually come to apply them to particular cases, it becomes a lot less clear that they're a good idea. So the first is, you know, the, the dad who's begging with the police to arrest his son. Uh, the police, and, and again, quite properly, are held to standards before they can effect an arrest. They have to dem- be able to demonstrate to a court that they have reasonable grounds that someone has committed an offense. And certainly the father's information, I know that's what my son is doing, or perhaps even my son has told me that's what he's doing, uh, is a good start to an investigation, but it's not enough by itself to effect an arrest. So they need to conduct additional investigation. And I certainly hope, given the amount of publicity this case has got, that they are doing that investigation. Sometimes investigations get... uh, you know, waylaid for what the police perceive to be more important or more pressing cases. I certainly hope they're giving the attention to this case, are gathering the evidence, and will be in a position to get to the bottom of it. That's the first thing they're facing. And the same thing with the, with the judge, uh, who can't hold an individual in, in, uh, in custody, uh, the Ontario case you gave of the meth addict. Uh, again, quite rightly, we insist that uh, we be very hesitant to incarcerate people unless they have demonstrated that they have, uh, by their criminal actions, sacrificed their right to be free. So, again, it's a high standard to make before you're uh, put into jail. And those are some of the legal difficulties that these uh, very caring and loving parents are bumping up against. And in the case of the 17-year-old, it's complicated even more because he's because he is 17. That's right. And generally speaking, under our Youth Criminal Justice Act, because kids uh, are kids and they make errors in judgment, we're much more reluctant to use jail as a punishment just because we don't want to saddle kids like that with uh, a criminal record. We don't want them to be locked up. Uh, we, we try to, to uh, pursue alternative ways of helping them to correct their behavior. So again, that makes it much more difficult to put a young person uh, behind bars. And you're talking uh, about a 17-year-old who's apparently attempted suicide three times. So, again, parents who are in absolute anguish, I ask myself, why is there not something in place uh, within the criminal code structure? And we did a segment earlier today about the criminal code being lawyers calling and judges calling for the code to be completely rewritten because it's such a mess. But uh, wouldn't it be possible under the existing conditions to draft some sort of legislation which would allow a a parent um, to intervene in his or her child's life in the manner this father in Vancouver is trying to intervene. Can you imagine? He goes for help. He pleads for help over a period of time. And then one day, one day, he gets the the news that his son is dead. His son's been killed. And, and And he stands there and he says, I was asking for help. I asked for help. I asked for help. Nobody gave it to me. Yes. Yes, and, and again, absolutely. Your, uh, your heart goes out to the father in that uh, very anguished uh, position. And, um, you know, can we improve our uh, response around people who uh, um, are involved in, in the, both the use and the trafficking of drugs? Absolutely, and I think that there's a, a very deep rethink going on now, and I, and I hope that we'll come up with improved uh, solutions. An- another option... Um, particularly with re- relation to the uh, Ontario case where you have a, uh, an addicted person who's attempted suicide, 
there could be a mental health component. And so police do have the power to apprehend someone under the Mental Health Act if they are a danger to themselves or to others. So someone who is uh, definitely suicidal and in the throes of addiction and out of control may be someone that could be apprehended under the Mental Health Act. So I think it's a question uh, with both the BC case and the Ontario case of looking at ways that we can um, help people like that without necessarily stigmatizing them as, as criminals. You know, if, if there's drug dealing, then stigmatization as a criminal may be appropriate. But we want to look at that, that whole spectrum of behaviors, some of which may be criminal, some of which may not be, but all of which um, are crying out for uh, a response that will help the family get through this crisis. David, if uh, if in the Vancouver case, let's say it happened in, uh, in Toronto where you practice law and uh, someone came to you with the identical situation and, and were to say, look, my, uh, my son has just been arrested and charged with criminal drug dealing. I had concerns about uh, his activities, which he told me he was involved with. I went to the police and I asked them to please arrest him to, uh, to, to, to intervene. They didn't. Um, so now, now he's charged with a criminal uh, offense. Would that be something that you could take to court and argue persuasively uh, before a judge to, to mitigate against a sentence against a... I guess yeah, I'm, I'm really reaching here, but yeah, this, this, yeah. this troubles me. And, and again, you, you appreciate where the father's coming from emotionally. Yeah. Um, legally, it would be much difficult to, to argue because we don't have a power of preventive arrest. So we can arrest someone before they commit a crime just because they're worried that they might. Uh, our criminal justice system is reactive. So uh, the, you know, the, the need here to prevent this kind of behavior may lie earlier on in terms of you know, what kind of uh, supports uh, were available to this individual going through school, uh, what kind of social resources might have been available to assist the parents in their parenting? What kind of resources might be might have been available for uh, the child themselves to engage them in more proactive social activities? That's really where we have to look rather than a police response of a preventive arrest. Because I, I think everyone would agree that prevention is way better than arrest and prosecution after right. the crime's committed. So that really the prevention piece is where we have to focus our attention. Yeah, thank you for your patience. This is this one's really bothered me particularly when I when I mentioned it to uh, to someone uh, privately, just in conversation. That person said to me, the "Father should just butt out of his kid's life." And I thought that was pretty harsh. Oh gosh, try telling any loving parent that they should butt out of their kid's life. I mean, we uh, we care about our kids uh, from day one to the to the last breath we draw. So I'm not sure that's an option. And as I say, it's it's all about uh, families and society generally working together to provide a more positive environment yeah. uh, for these kids who may be at risk. David, thank you for the time today, and uh, and thank you for all the time you give us. Much appreciated. My pleasure as always, Roy. Good Bye-bye. talking. David Butt, criminal lawyer in uh, Toronto, one of the best in the country.